You know, I, I, I wish they would know how it feels when there's a calling in your life. And I believe this is a calling for me. The satisfaction that God gives you when you're doing what you know there's something that God wants you to do. Would you say you have a passion for this? Yes, I have a passion for it. I even plan my vacations around it. Are you kidding me? Most of the kids that do come in are probably fatherless in our society. And we don't know where these kids are coming from. In a, in a strong role model, as a father figure, um, you know, playing with them and, and uh, showing them how to praise God and, and doing things that, um, that maybe they haven't seen other fathers do, I think plays a, a great role model on, on these kids. And, and it, it affirms that, that, you know what, men do worship God. So uh, I believe men should get involved just for that fact alone. Get involved, see what these kids need. To find a kid that's crying and then just a few minutes later, they're just playing and they want me to go, you know? And after weeks later, after they keep coming back, they're all confident, you know, they're not crying anymore. It's, it's just a joy to be able to do. I really love Robert and his wife, Jana. They're amazing people. Robert is a very godly man. Uh, he's a part of a, a group. He, he, he and Jana serve in the children's ministry. He's a successful businessman. And so what happened is when we got ready to, to go for our next round of elders, I wanted him to be an elder badly. And uh, he, he said no. And here's why. He said, I have a higher calling. It's the two-year-olds I minister to. Isn't that cool? And... He just said, I can't give any more time, and I pour myself in there, and I love these kids. And uh, I got to tell you that I really believe this church is filled right now. This room is filled with lots of you who have that same ability and gifting to go make a difference like that. And, and we need you. Uh, after the service today, we're going to ask you to go out there where the clowns are. And I know the clowns. I don't know if that was a good idea or not. No, a lot of you are afraid of clowns, but you could take it. You could get around the evil clowns and get there and, and, and sign up because I want to tell you, your life will be changed in an amazing way. When you pour in like that, Robert and Jana have found an amazing joy that just is beyond them because they love like that. And I don't know if you've seen, uh, if you ever go in the children's area, but in that two-year-old area, the kids line up for Mr. Robert's room. They just can't wait to be there. And, and it's just incredible to watch the way God's used him. He wants to use you that way too. And my prayer is about 100 of you or at least out of the service would commit to go and serve and love those kids. And we need it on Sunday mornings. We need it Sunday night. We need it Wednesday night. So pray about it. Uh, uh, ask God. Uh, go find out. It would be worth everything. Turn your Bibles to James 5, James chapter 5, and then we'll also go into 2 Chronicles 18 and 20. Let's pray. Father, I know that we are truly loved by you, and I hope we're embracing that love and experiencing that love and allowing you, God, to touch us in just an amazing way. 
And I pray you would stir in our hearts today. And I know right now that there are people here who God are just living life with you and loving it. And God, you're answering their prayers. And it's amazing. And I know you've called us, Lord, to this divine romance where we interact with you in intimate ways and our prayers get answered. And you love answering prayer. You love moving mountains. You love helping us. And may we grab a hold of that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a series called The Divine Romance, and the whole idea behind it is that God wants to connect with you in deep, deep ways. Uh, uh, the most important way you connect, connect with God is through prayer. Nothing's more important than that. Nothing creates intimacy more than that. And God wants you to do that. Jesus said, <coughs> in Matthew 18, he said, I want you to pray at all times and never lose heart. And, and God's great desires that prayer would, would be a way to not only interact with him, but to call on him to do amazing things. Um, I don't know if you're a Laker fan, but man, I love the Lakers, and uh, right? And you know that, that they started out the preseason with some issues. I mean, they brought Ron Artest on the team, and, and he and Kobe already had a strain. And, and the question was, what would that do to the chemistry? And, and, and so when things weren't quite going in the beginning of the preseason, the way Phil Jackson wanted to, he asked, uh, he asked A.C. Green to come, one of the greatest Lakers of all time, to address the team. Uh, about unity, about being together, about what it means to, to have chemistry. And AC showed up, and many of you know this, he's a very, very strong Christian. And, and he gets up there, and he's talking to the team. Well, he ends up veering off from the unity issue, just started preaching. And he's preaching about Jesus, and he's telling them about the Lord. And if the love of God was here, we'd love each other. And he's going and going and going, man. And AC's on fire. And, and, and the guys start responding to it. And then all of a sudden, Derek Fisher's screaming amen, and people are yelling. And, and then, uh, then AC does this. He goes, and you know what we need to do? We got to pray together. And there's like, yeah. And he said, hey, Kobe, you're the captain. You need to come lead us in prayer. And Kobe's eyes get wide and 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 he says come up here Kobe and lead us in the Lord's prayer well he's kind of walking slow and Ryan Artest leans over to the chaplain and goes dude he doesn't know the Lord's prayer <laughs> and he's laughing and Kobe gets up there and goes okay guys okay um let's do this together now I lay me down to sleep <laughs> I pray the Lord and, and Ryan Artest leans over to the chaplain and goes he knows the Lord's prayer yeah <laughs> You know, uh, 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 I kind of wonder about that now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Have you ever wondered about that? I, I got to be honest. I don't know that it's a good prayer. I mean, you think about it. You take a little three-year-old into a dark bedroom. Say, before I leave you here all alone in the dark, I'm going to teach you something to say. And they're looking at you. Say these words. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep... Oh, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, what's that mean? God might take your soul <laughs> while you're here in the dark. Let's do the next line. If I should die before I wake. Don't know you're going to make it through the night, kid. God just might kill you. Have a good night. You know, I mean, doesn't that just seem like an odd prayer for a little three-year-old to learn? And, and you know what I'm going at here is this. Lots of times I think we say things in prayer we may not mean. I mean, I always get intrigued by that when, you know, we act like, well, we got to pray before offering, which I think we should, or pray before we eat or pray. And all of a sudden we're just throwing out these phrases. But I want to ask you, do we really mean them? Uh, do we pray passionately? Do we really expect uh, as we open ourselves up to the God who loves you more than you could possibly know that something's going to occur? 
You know, I've told you before, one of my favorite things to do, and, and maybe it's mean, is we're s- sitting there and, and, and we're getting ready to eat. And I'll go, oh my gosh, did we, we didn't pray. And then everybody puts their forks down. But the thing is, we did pray. <laughs> I just think that's so funny that they don't even remember. I mean, it was a minute ago and they're like, oh yeah. Well, how well did we pray if I can get them like that? And you know what? I, I think sometimes we just kind of throw out phrases. I get tempted to do that too. Donald Barnhouse shocked his church one time when he closed the service by saying, God, I pray that you would give peace to those who love you and all of the rest that are disobedient and the ones who aren't passionate. God, give them a miserable week. I pray they couldn't sleep. I pray they're worn out. I pray everything falls. And everyone's like, oh my gosh. I mean, maybe that's the kind of prayers we ought to pray a little more often and really say something with it. Uh, one time I got in front of a high school group and I closed that, the, the high school study by saying, God, I thank you for those here who know you. And I pray for those who don't, God, that they can't sleep tonight. I pray they toss and turn in their bed. I pray that they're miserable. And I said, amen. And people are looking. And this guy, Craig, picks up his friend Brian the next day for high school. And Brian comes walking out looking miserable. And Craig goes, dude, what's wrong? And Brian said, Chuck's prayer worked. <laughs> you know what? I'm just asking, are we really meaning it? Are we really passionate? Are we really praying like we're supposed to? You see, that's what I want you to see if you're in James 5. Listen to what James says to us here. He says this in verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now now think about that. He's saying Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like us. He suffered uh, uh, times where he had bouts of depression. Uh, There were times he felt very alone. There were times he was so despondent that he actually said, God, just kill me. Uh, I mean, he had a nature like ours. In other words, he wasn't always upbeat. He wasn't always riding on the high hills. And yet in the end, he always had the victory. In the end, he had amazing answers to prayer. And when James says, he's just like you and me, what he's saying is you should start having a prayer life like Elijah. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced fruit. Now he's saying, you know what? This is the God of Elijah, and the God of Elijah is your God. The God of Elijah is for you. The God of Elijah wants to answer your prayers. Jesus cried out to us. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And we need to be knocking on the door of heaven a lot more than we do. We need to be praying with passion and interacting in an amazing way with a God who says, come and ask of me and I will answer. Come and experience this. But I want to say as clearly as I can, you can't do it halfway. You can't do it lukewarm. You've got to pray fervently, earnestly. That's what James says right there. He prayed earnestly. It's interesting that when Peter was arrested and the church gathered to pray in Acts 12 verse 5, it says, so Peter was being kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made, now catch this word, fervently, fervently by the church of God. The word fervent is a Greek word that means to extend the hand, reaching and grasping with everything you have. 
It's not like, oh, I wish I could get that Coke. It's like, I want it. And I, and, 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 and I want to ask you, is that how you're praying? Are you reaching out to God going, God, I need this so badly I can't stand it. God, I need you to move. God, I'm reaching out for this answer. God, that's fervent, earnest prayer. And we need to do that. And not only should it be fervent, it should be filled with faith. Jesus said, I, I want you to know all things are possible to him who believes. And then in Mark chapter, um, excuse me, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says this, and Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and believe, uh, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. God's great desire is that you would understand that. He says, I want you to pray believing. I want you to pray reaching out. I want you to pray with passion and fervency. I want you to know that I'm the God of Elijah and I'm the God who answers prayer. Today, if you're facing a problem, I want to tell you this, and you really pray, and you really believe, and you really reach out, then God's going to give you an answer. And that problem will turn into a possibility, which will turn into a miracle. See, the great joy of the Christian life is this. God does move. God does rescue. God does answer. And he loves doing it. He loves doing it. That's why Jesus said, I don't want you to ever lose heart. I want you to pray at all times. And that's the kind of prayers we should have. Hopefully you're in 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And I want to talk about a man named Jehoshaphat. And I want to talk about us having fat prayers. Get it? Fat prayers like Jehoshaphat had. I mean, we got to get rid of these anemic prayers. We got to get rid of, of, of prayers that are anorexic. We got to start having obese prayers, okay? I mean, they need to be filled. They need to be meaty. They need to be like dessert, you know? They, and, and so you need to be relishing in it like that. And that's what God wants you to do. Jehoshaphat was a guy who did that. And, and he began so well. He began so passionate, so on fire for God. He took an amazing stand for the Lord. And then what happened is he veered off. Now don't miss where I'm going with this. He was in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And God is still going to answer him. Why? Because he's going to turn back to God. You might right now be in the wrong place in your life, not where God wants you to be. You might be even with the wrong people. You might even be doing the wrong things. But if you would turn and genuinely call out to God, God who loves you will grab you and help you and answer you. And that's what's happened. Jehoshaphat has gone to be with Ahab, who he should never have been with. He's actually feasting with him. And then Ahab says, come and join me in a battle that God never, ever wanted Jehoshaphat to be a part of. And right before the battle, what happened is that Ahab said, I'm going to go fight with the troops, but I want you to dress as the king. Now, what neither of them knew is the Ammonite king had said this, I don't want you to fight with anybody except the king. I want our whole army aiming and hunting down the king and killing him. And now Jehoshaphat is going to be out there all alone with the army coming after him. And look what it says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 30. It says, Now the king of Aaron had commanded the captains of the chariot, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. So... When the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. Did you catch that? It says he is not where he's supposed to be. He's doing what he shouldn't do. And he finally turned and said, God, help me. And he meant it. 
He meant it. And so what did God do? God heard him. And God diverted the problem away. And God rescued him. And God loves to do that. And I want to tell you today that God's passion for you, his love for you, is why he answers prayer for you. But what we've got to do is pray, even if we've done the wrong things. I uh, one time uh, uh, got a traffic ticket. Now, that might not be a sh- Actually, I've gotten way more than one. And, uh, and I, I confess this. I should probably drive better. Uh, and this was one of those days I was driving way too fast. And the cop who gave me the ticket was right to do it. And I deserved it. But then I get the notice in the mail. And, and I don't know why I get this notice. It says to me, not that I, it, does, it says I cannot mail my ticket in. I can't just pay by mail. I have to go down to the Santa Ana Courthouse. And I'm going to have to pay it there. Now, I, I don't know why. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. Because now this is sad. I had done it before. And when you go down to the Santa Ana Courthouse, what happens? It takes forever. You go in this one area. You open the door. And there's a hallway there. And there's a big sign that hangs. And it says, traffic tickets line forms here. And then you get to the edge of the hallway and turn. And the hallway is all the way past where the sound booth would be. And, and you got to stand in line. And then you finally get to the front and you step inside. There's four lines. And, and then you got to wait in line there. And then when you get up there, this was before computer systems, you would stand and give them your ticket. They have to go find your file. And then after they find your file, they bring it back. And then you got to get your uh, agreement to pay. And then you go and get in line at the cashier. Now, if you haven't caught where I'm going, it's hours. It's slow. I think they do it on purpose to make you pay for your ticket in more ways than one. If you're going to speed, you're going to stand around for hours. And, and so here's the thing. I am at one of the busiest seasons of my life. I'm, I'm getting ready to run a camp. I'm speaking for another conference. I have all my normal activities and schedules. And, and, and I don't have hours to give. And I told God, I said, God, I know I was wrong. I confess I was wrong. Lord, I pray that you'll somehow do something. I don't know what to do. I can't miss being there, but I have so many other things to do. God, make me more efficient or bring people to help me or get me through this. And I'm saying, God, please. And I'm just begging him. I get in the car to drive down to the courthouse on the way down. I am just saying, God, please, please do something. And then what happened is I pull up and I get out and it's just packed. There's just, you can't even hardly find a parking place. And I walk up to the doors and I open them and I'm, I almost gasp. There was nobody in line. There's the sign. It says line forms here. And I thought, maybe they're closed. And I walk over and I look down and, and, and there's nobody really in line down the hallway. There's two people at the door. And I, I think they've got to be open then. And I'm looking around and I'm like, Lord, thank you. And I run because I'm afraid, you know, you know, people will just get in there. And, and I'm just waiting for them to come. And, and I get down there. And as soon as I get to the doorway, the guy who's number one in line, he goes in. And then I get there. And the guy in front of me turns and goes, well, are you in a hurry? And I said, yeah. He goes, you can go ahead of me. I'm like, oh. And then I step ahead of him. And a, and a, 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 a window opens. And I walk up to it. And I hand my ticket. And the woman goes, oh. And she, she goes, oh, that's funny. Your file's right here. If I had gone to anybody else, they couldn't find my five. And, and she goes, I wonder how that happened. And I'm like, oh, it's God. You know, and, uh, and, and so she gives me my, I turn, there's nobody in line at the cashier. I'm like, oh, and I go over and I pay. And I've never loved paying for a ticket more. And I, I paid and I am not kidding. This really, really happened. Everything I'm telling you is totally true. I step out the doorway and the line is all the way down and turning around the corner. And I stood there thinking, if you guys prayed, you wouldn't be in line. You know, and uh, <laughs> now I stood there thinking, God, thank you. 
Yeah, now I want to tell you that I really believe God cares about moments like that. As a matter of fact, I know he does. And if you haven't gotten there yet, get to 2 Chronicles 20. But what I'm trying to say even more is this. I know God's word teaches what I'm telling you. But, but I believe it because it's God and because it's in his word. But I want to tell you, I've been a Christian since 1974. And uh, God has never let me down. I'm not saying I haven't gone through tough times. But I want to tell you what, on the other side, God has always moved. I'm not saying there haven't been moments that I cried my eyes out and my heart twisted inside me, but on the other side of it, God had always moved. And as someone standing at more my latter years of life and looking back over it, God has always been faithful. And I want to tell you, it's not because I'm special. It's because he's special. And I want to tell you that actually you're special and you're special to him. And the question is, are we praying? Are we passionately calling out to him? Are we believing you see, Jehoshaphat now, he gets right with God. And when he comes back to Jerusalem, a prophet confronts him and says, why were you there? Why would you have done what you did? But I want you to know something, Jehoshaphat. God does know your heart, and God does love you. And I want to tell you, cling to God, and amazing things are going to happen to you. And now Jehoshaphat gets more on fire than ever and calls the people to faithfulness. And he enacts certain things and takes a very public stand. And then look at the very end of chapter 19, the last sentence. The last sentence, Jehoshaphat calls out to the children of Israel and says, Act resolutely, and the Lord will be with the upright. Act resolutely. I want you to make a resolution in your heart. You're all God's. And I want to ask you today to think about doing that if you haven't now. Even if you are right with God more than ever, would you say, God, I'm going to be resolute in my following you. I'm not going to veer. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to trust in you. And, and I want to be yours completely. So Jehoshaphat calls out, let's be right with God. And everyone cheers and agrees. And then what happens next? He gets attacked. And you might say, wait a minute. Wait, wait, and he's right with God. No one's ever attacked him before. Now three nations are going to rise up to get him. And by the way, when they come to attack, they're not even just attacking Israel. They're coming to actually kill him. Now, now, if you haven't caught it, I already said it once. Let me get back to it. When, when God calls you and I to live with him, he doesn't say it's going to be an easy life. He doesn't say there's not going to be a battle to fight. He doesn't say there's not going to be an enemy. Uh, by the way, when you hit a moment like this, it could be God bringing it upon you so that you would be changed and, and grow. It could be the devil literally coming against you. The, the demonic realm could be attacking you because you've decided to stand for God. It could just be life in general. Because let me tell you something. Life is hard and, and people sometimes can be less than loving. And, and that might be why you're in a problem. But the good side of it's this. God says not only will you conquer, you'll more than conquer. God says that you always had the victory in Jesus Christ. And you know what I want to remind you of is whenever there's a problem, for all of us who know God, it's just the possibility of a miracle. I mean, so, you know, when something really bad happens, you can go, wow, praise God, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And that's how you should think. And you know what, I want to say this today, if you haven't caught it, you can't be healed if you've never been sick, right? I, I might seem like not rocket science, like if I walked in today and said, how you doing? The Lord healed me. What'd you have? Nothing. <laughs> that doesn't work. You got to have something. And you got to have be in a storm to have the storm calm. And you got to face the problem before God's going to move and give the victory. And this is a part of the joy of what it means. That not life's easy, but life's exciting and passionate. And in the end, we're going to win if we do it right. And the battle's going to rise up against him. Notice verses 1 to 4 of chapter 20, the problem he's facing. It says this. 
Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you. Did you see you? From beyond the Sea of Aram. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar. That is an Engedity. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. And he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so then Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord together. Now, now notice his reaction is the right one. Even though he's filled with fear. And by the way, it'd be better if he wasn't. But you notice God loves him anyway. It'd be better if he stood and said, you know, God, you promised to protect me. I'll be strong. But don't miss this. Elijah had the same issue. Uh, God understands this. You don't have to be perfect to get your prayers answered. You just have to be his. And he does the right thing. He turns and says, God, I need you. And God, things are bad, so I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to pray and fast. And he has the right reaction to God. Notice the prayer he prays. And this is key. I want, as we read this very long prayer, I want you to notice the details in it. I want you to notice he just doesn't say, God, help me. He's very detailed in who God is, what God's promised, what the situation is, and why he believes that God should rescue him. And I want you to catch that. He's really laying it out before the Lord. It's a very real, intimate conversation with God. And look what it says, starting in verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not in the heavens? And are you not the ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name's saying. Now notice the, what he said puts here. It's the promise that God had if they build the sanctuary. Verse 9. Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Now we're going to read on, but don't you miss uh, the, the detail of what he said. God, you're the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. You're in heaven. No kingdom can stand before you. No problem's too big for you. You're that awesome. I know who you are, and I know that you gave this land to us. I know that you were the one who provided for it. And you asked for us to build the sanctuary. And you promised if we pray to you, you would answer. And now, God, look at the very people you said we were not allowed to attack are the ones attacking us and trying to take the land from us. God, here's what I'm facing. Now, did you catch the detail of it? It's kind of like when I got that ticket. I said, Lord, I know I shouldn't have, but I was on the 91 freeway. And God, how often can you speed on the 91 freeway? It was just too tempting. That's not what really happened. I just thought it's funny. Uh, no, no, no. The detail of it. He just lays it out point 